And now I'd like to welcome all of you throughout this country, the United States, throughout Europe, India, wherever you may be in the world, welcome to Sunday service at Ananda Village. I'll be reading from Rays of the One Light with weekly commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible written by Swami Kriyananda and based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Deeds versus intentions. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ emphasized repeatedly the spirit, not the letter of the law. In chapter 5 of the Gospel of St. Matthew, he speaks of the sin of killing and of the legal punishment attendant on that sin, but says that more important than the act is the desire to kill or, or to do harm. He shows that the sin of harmful desire goes beyond merely wanting to kill. My message to you, he said, is this, whoever is angry with his brother without cause already stands condemned. Whoever contemptuously calls his brother a fool shall answer for it to the Supreme Council. And whoever calls his brother an outcast of God shall be in, fire, in danger of hellfire. Brother here means any other human being. For all of us in the highest sense are brothers and sisters, children of our one Father, Mother, God. The true self is, one, is the one self of all. To hurt another is, even if one doesn't realize it, to hurt oneself. Swami Kriyananda in The Path recalls an episode in which, in which the master, Paramhansa Yogananda, revealed his sense of identity even with the plants. One day, Kriyananda wrote, we were moving a delicate but rather heavy tropical plant into position on the hillside. Our handling evidently was too rough, for the master cried out, be careful what you are doing, can't you feel? It's alive. To wish death to anyone, to wish even harm to another creature, is to deny in oneself the reality that divine life of which all of us are manifestations. It is, in short, to deny the eternal truth proclaimed by the Bhagavad Gita in the second chapter. This self is never born nor does it perish. Once existing, it cannot ever cease to be. It is birthless, eternal, changeless, ever itself. It is not slain when the body is slain. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om. Good morning, everyone. My name is Nayaswami Pranava, and this is Nayaswami Parvati, and it's our joy to be with you this Sunday morning. I'd like to read to you from Paramahansa Yogananda's book of Prayer Demands from Whispers from Eternity. 
earlier this week when I was looking through the Whispers book to see which of these selections I would choose for this Sunday talk. I came across one and marked it and put it down, but there was something kind of there in the back of my mind saying maybe that wasn't the right one. And so uh, just yesterday I was looking through again and came across this one, which definitely is the one that is good for today. The title of it is, Make Me the Drops of Sympathy in All Tearful Eyes. May my spark commingle with thy great spark. May it twinkle in all eyes. Bless me that I may swim in the sea of souls. Let me rush with thee on avalanches of noble desire. Let me feel thee in the budding hopes of all roseate minds and in the silence of all saints. Let the tears of my sympathy commingle with the drops in all tearful eyes. Together, thou and I will dance on the wavelets of all feelings. We will cheer every heart with divine delight. Let us throb in the life of all beings. Let me just read those two final lines. We will cheer every heart with divine delight. Let us throb in the life of all beings. It certainly captures the, the deeper understanding of when we're going through challenges in our lives. To be with a sparkle in our eyes, not just for our own sakes, but for others. And that we can be in that delight of God's presence. I think the word delight is one that we're very happy to hear under the circumstances of dealing with the COVID-19 coronavirus that's putting, obviously, a strain on the entire globe and on each individual in a way that, for most of us, probably a lot of us at least, have never encountered in this lifetime. I remember uh, when I was in my early 20s, I was living on my oldest brother's farm in eastern Canada in an area that received a lot of snow in the wintertime. And down the road, our nearest neighbor, down a dirt road, five miles down the road, was this family. There were German immigrants that came over, the husband and wife with their two teenage sons. And they had built pretty much with their own hands. He was a contractor, and so he had associates, and he had the skill level. But he built this little ski resort down the road from us. And he built a, a ski lodge, and he cleared the slopes of pretty steep hillsides and put up a T-bar lift so people could be lifted up to the top of the hills. And uh, he was in need of someone uh, to help him, so he hired me on the weekends. It was primarily just open on weekends and maybe some special days, holidays throughout the winter. And quite a few people came to this resort. Probably each day, Saturday and Sunday, there were between 50 to 100 people that would come. And my job was primarily helping people get on the T-lift. It's a T-bar that you have to grab and put underneath your, your bottom and hold on tight uh, that lifts you all the way up the hillside. And, uh, but part of my compensation was that I was able to have free access to uh, skiing equipment and also that I could ac access the slopes. Probably about an hour or two a day for the Saturday and Sundays that I worked there throughout the winter. Now, I had some experience. I think I had gone downhill skiing once. I mean, I spent a lot of time 
doing cross-country skiing and snowshoeing. Um, but I had this one-time experience with downhill skiing. And so I got used to, there were three slopes. One was a beginner slope, one was a moderate slope, and one was a very advanced slope. And so I got accustomed to really getting into the comfort zone of, of skiing pretty well on the beginner and then the moderate slope. And then after maybe a month of these weekends, I thought, I think I'll try the steep slope. And so I went up to the top, and when I got to the top and looked down, my heart skipped a beat, and mentally I thought, oh my goodness. I mean, literally, there was just fear in my heart and my whole being. It was steep. And then I thought, maybe what I can do is just take off my skis, get on my bottom, and just kind of bump down the slope. I mean, really, that was a real feeling in my mind, because, wow, this slope was steep. And so I thought, no, wait a minute. I've been skiing enough. I'm comfortable. And so I had this balance of being cautious and confident. And at first, I was just doing the crisscrossing, you know, going over to one side, a little bit down, a little bit down, going over to the other side. And then I could feel that confidence, still with cautiousness, being alive in my whole being. And then I just start to crouch down more to get more power in my thighs to control it, uh, the movement of my legs, and really felt my centeredness. Now, I've been meditating for almost about four years daily uh, at this point. So I remembered the principles of being centered and having that calmness. So I would breathe, I would relax. And luckily, there weren't any other people on that slope when I came down. But a few times I crashed. But at the end, I came down successfully with a lot of energy and a sense of, that was great. And over the rest of the winter, I explored that steep slope a number of more times and again gained even more skill to deal with that. But really, when we're facing the challenges of life, it's a good story to relate to in terms of those points, that things are going to happen to us. And now, in the midst of this coronavirus, it's an intense experience. There's so many facets to it. The fact that we could certainly get infected and it would cause you know, death in quite a few people. And that's happened already. This is March 29th and the numbers are growing tremendously, both in infected cases and deaths. So that's there. But there's also just the stress, the challenge, the strain of all of us in many, many situations throughout the world, certainly in the United States, where we have isolation demanded in force, that we're quarantined to our homes. That's a tremendous pressure to take away the normal routine that we have, not just for variety's sake, but just the close quarters and the demands of really living a very different lifestyle outwardly in our lives. It just doesn't seem like it's fair for a lot of us with that stress in our lives. But it is the reality. It is what's happening. One of the things that's very important for all of us is to bring humor and laughter into these times. And not that these stories relate to what I'm going to say for, the, for my talk here, but I just want to interject some humor. So the first one is that this public library, in having its interview for new applicants, was always asking the question to each applicant, so what level of supervision are you comfortable with? And this one young man said, you know, I've always thought Superman's x-ray vision would be really cool. 
And I thought, that captured the energy, you know, that captured, yeah, let me look at the possibility. Supervision. And, and just living more with that sense, even in the mundane world. And then the other funny story is about this woman going to her bank. She's uh, at the customer service desk, and she's saying with a very gruff, intense, stern voice to the customer service representative, so what does it take to get my address changed? And without looking up, the clerk says, move. <laughs> and that's, that's a kind of a nice little story, too, that Sometimes we overlook just what needs to happen in the moment. Just that little step forward of taking care of that part of things. Uh, and it's something that we can apply to the situation we're all in. Is to just find a point of, of laughing. You know, Swami Kriyananda, in one of his books, Living Wisely, Living Well, which is a book of sayings for each day of the year, a few days ago, so this is March 29th, so you can look it up earlier this week in March, that it said that he suggested that today, for that day, that try to laugh out loud three times to really enjoy yourself at the highest capacity of your own true self. And that's really good to remember because when strains and stresses are in our lives, it's so easy just to, uh, and the word is used, lockdown. But we don't want to lock down our internal self. We only want to deal with the external realities to produce that protective measure. That's important. But we don't want to take it further and feel that we ourselves are locked down from our inner selves. Because it just simply will not be fruitful and we're just adding on despair onto the tensions. And so we need to, each one of us, find the ways through laughter, through calmness, through being focused, and to just to be more aware. And that's why I want to chant that first chant today, Twameva Mata, Thou art my mother. It gives us a sense that we're offering ourselves. Thou art my mother, my father thou art. Thou art my brother, my friend thou art. Thou art my wealth, my wisdom thou art. Thou art my all, light of light thou art. If we can just appreciate and approach things in that self-offering, then it's not so much about us or even the ones around us. We will need to take care of ourselves. Of course we will need to take care of others, as is appropriate. But if we can feel that divine flow, we can open up to much more of an experience that we know is the opportunity given to us, rather than the struggle and the, the sense that this is going to be just too much for me to take. Never do we have to give in to that. I mean, there are times in the last few weeks, and maybe you felt this too, I've woken up, and just felt, this can't be going on still, can it? It felt so surreal. But in that moment, I realized I had to catch it and say, okay, more than just coping with this, I needed to lift my energy with God's presence and really feel, okay, what do I get to do today? What do I need to do today? Not only for myself, but for others. You know, a few days ago, just out of nowhere, at the end of meditation, this one line came to me from one of Swami's songs, Shawl of Gold. And it actually is the song that Bhagavati Ramesha pre-recorded that we will play during the offertory today. So this is before I knew that they were going to sing this song. But this song, the, the line of the song is, um, it is, it's kindness that broadens the human heart. 
It's kindness that softens the human heart. But just that idea that kindness allows us to open up our hearts. It allows us to be real in, in the situations that are before us. Because kindness is something that's very practical. It isn't just some airy, fairy thought that we have that we're feeling good about, that it's self um, kind of you know, slapping ourselves on the shoulders that we're good because we feel kind. No, we know through the teachings of yoga that if kindness can be the powerful mechanism that we let flow through us, and that's the key. We let it flow through us. We're not creating kindness. We're not initiating that. We're initiating the openness for kindness to come through us. If we can have that kindness as a dynamic force that we're tapping into, then our hearts are open. And that kindness can touch souls that we may not even know it is touching. One of the things perhaps a lot of us are doing already, but it's good to keep in mind that it's a powerful way to bring that kindness into practice, and that's doing healing prayers. You know, probably like me, you've probably increased the number of people you're praying for on a daily basis. Some of these people are in dire circumstances, and some of them you just realize probably intuitively they need our help. But really being alive in those healing prayers, it's like we become this powerful instrument, this powerful tool that the divine can flow through. Without attachment, as we know, as Master said, to the outcome. It's divine will healing. It isn't that we're demanding an outcome. What we're demanding is that we're able to be open. That's the demand that we're working with. That we are open enough for that grace, that flow, to be real and more than that, to be dynamic to be something that will touch the world. And often I will end my meditations and end my healing prayers with visualizing that the entire globe is encircled in an aura of light. And Jyotishan Devi and I, Swami's Jyotishan Devi, have set in motion on a weekly basis on Thursday mornings, 8 a.m. Pacific time in California in the United States, uh, to come all together online and to be a warrior of light, to have a prayer, have a visualization, have a meditation, and to repeat the, the prayer affirmation for being a warrior of light, of really initiating that each day as well, not only on Thursdays when we as a whole come together online as much as possible, but each day to just be alive, not just to remember to repeat it, but to bring our whole sense of being alive in that experience to nurture that that kindness can come through us and touch others. When that happens, then that kindness softens the human heart and we are alive in the moment. And then God's grace can come through in many ways that we probably can't tell could happen. You know, the miracles can flow through. The touches of a person to person can come through. And ultimately, the touch of God can come through to each soul, and to each person. Many blessings to you. A poor little girl walking in the cold Her clothing all tattered and thin Spied a rich man standing outside a church outside a church 
spied a rich man standing outside a church. The service about to begin. Please, sir, she said, hear an orphan child. The cold winds of winter have come. I've no frowned don't you hear that hymn good people have gathered in prayer it's a day for worship impious girl impious girl oh impious girl it's a day for worship, impious girl. Don't speak here of earthly affairs. He turned then and entered the holy church. The girl wandered down the cold street, and there all at once she beheld a small boy no jacket no shoes for his feet his clothing was shabby as worn as her own he shivered against a closed door Alas, he cried, none will take me in, take me in, none will take me in. Alas, he cried, none will take me in, though I'm starving and cold, for I'm poor. Seeing him she cried, how I feel for you. It's bitter with no friends to live. Here, please take my shawl. It's all I can spare. Though it's shameful, so little to give. She wrapped him all up in the flimsy cloth and kissed his cold forehead and smiled. Suddenly a warmth like a summer breeze, summer breeze like a summer breeze, Suddenly a warmth 
like a summer breeze, encircled this poor girl and child. And the tender voice said, My daughter, I'm here. No more shall you weep without friends. For in yonder church there's no love like yours. Those with pure hearts, their needs I attend. My child, all men's sorrows would turn to joy. If they knew that to share is no loss. For its kindness broadens the human heart. Human heart, the human heart. For its kindness broadens the human heart. I know I who died on the cross. Worship means but love, and my love you found by your gift to me here in the cold. And she found their clothes were now woolen and the shawl was now spun